Welcome to Orphans No More, a media extension of Justice for Orphans, a ministry dedicated to rally the church for the cause of the fatherless, inspiring, educating, and equipping believers to care for vulnerable children, and supporting those who have heard and heeded the call of James 127. Here's your host, Sandra Flack. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. That, one of my favorite verses, is Galatians 4, 4 through 5. Welcome to Orphans No More, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children in crisis through adoption, foster care, and kinship care. I'm your host, Sandra Flack. Thank you for joining me for this episode. We've got an adoptive dad guest with us today. But first, I'll share a teaser for next week's show. Two weeks ago on episode 292, I shared about sacrificing for and pouring into our kids from hard places. Adoption and foster care is really die-to-self living. And I'm not patting myself on the back. Hear my heart here. If you are in this space of adoption and foster care, you know what I'm talking about. And since we are on this journey together, I candidly share the hard days and the hope takeaways from my own journey. Now, I'm not sure which camp uh, this lands in, the, the hard or the hopeful, probably maybe both, but we just got a puppy. Now, there's a backstory to this that I'll be sharing uh, next time, but my 16-year-old son was really struggling, and a few weeks ago, we got a glimpse into what an emotional support dog could possibly mean for him, and now, even though I did not want to step into the world of puppyhood again, I mean, our last puppy is now 13 years old. Uh, and, you know, she's got the aches and the pains and doesn't move around very fast. And those puppy days are long gone. But now we are the proud owners of a little Miss Lady Liberty, a Woodle, who is Slava's pride and joy. And I will share all the details about this on next week's episode. Maybe even we'll get to have Slava and Liberty join us. We'll see how that goes. So, As a mom of eight kids, five through adoption, I've got one kinship and four internationally adopted kids. Two of my kids are diagnosed with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Um, I do share my family's adoption journey on this podcast and also in my book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. I just want to let you know that the book is available wherever you buy books. Um, If you order it through Amazon, please, please After you read it, leave a review. Reviews are so important to authors. Anytime you get a book there and you read it, no matter who the author is, and you love it, leave them a review. It's, trust me, it means so much to every author. Now, if you would like a signed copy where I sign it myself, I include a special gift bookmark and mail it to you, um, you can do that. You can order from my website, sandraflack.com. And also on my website, you'll learn more about this podcast. 
You can read my blog, which is also really directed toward foster and adoptive parents, especially moms. And you can contact me for speaking opportunities. Uh, And also, my website is connected to the ministry website. So Justice for Orphans is my nonprofit ministry. And it's also, this podcast is an extension of that ministry. Um, And the two websites, justicefororphansny.org and my website, sandraflack.com, they're connected. You can get from one to the other, but it's all, you know, it's all, it's all me. Now to today's guest, Ed Stoll. Ed is a certified financial crimes investigator a certified fraud examiner, and a noted expert in his field for 20 years. Now, we're not going to be talking about crime, okay? Uh, He's also served as a lay church leader in children's and youth ministry and speaks at conferences, camps, churches, Christian schools, and appears on Christian radio and podcasts to equip youth to have a strong faith foundation and to help parents raise godly children in our increasingly secular culture. Ed resides in Maryland with his wife, who is from Brazil, and their three children, the youngest of which is adopted. All right, welcome to the show, Ed. Well, thank you, Sandra, for having me on your program to share my story about how we were blessed with Mackenzie. Well, I'm excited to hear it, and I know you could share about lots of interesting things, judging from your bio, but we are going to focus on the adoption piece. We love hearing from our adoptive dads. So let's start at the beginning of your story. You and your wife had two biological sons. What led you to pursue adoption? Well, my wife always wanted to adopt. Uh, She mentioned that when we were dating, Um, but I, I told her that I was not interested in adopting for whatever reason uh and she never brought it up again but one day we were in church on a sunday morning and uh the person that was leading the service mentioned that there was a girl in florida who lost both her parents in an accident and nobody in her family was willing to like step in and uh, and adopt her so a friend of mine rob he stood up and he said hey i just talked to my wife and we'll do it what do we need to do we'll get the attorneys involved i was just amazed that he that on the spot just like that so it was that day that god changed my heart so after church i went home and i told my wife i wanted to adopt but i don't think she took me seriously because it was about six months of me talking with her before she would really have a serious conversation with me about it i think she really wanted to see if my heart was changed but that's really how it happened wow that's incredible how god does that it is and so you decide to adopt you you get on the same page you're going to do this yeah and then how from there, how did you decide whether you were going to do it through foster care or internationally adopt or do a, a domestic adoption? Yeah, I know there's so many decisions when it comes yeah. to that. Um, so my wife's from Brazil. So the plan was to adopt a child from Brazil. So we set out to do that and we tried several years, um, but God seemed to close every door. Uh, it's difficult to adopt in Brazil because Brazil likes to prioritize to have Brazilian kids stay in Brazil for adoption and even stay in the state that they were born for adoption. And I don't know if Brazil still has this law, but at the time when we were adopting, a pa- if a child was abandoned or if a parent, they didn't know who the parents were, the child couldn't be adopted until the age of three because the parental rights remained until they were three. So there was all these kids in the orphans that you couldn't, in orphanages that you couldn't even adopt. It's very sad. So 
So we, we all the doors were closed. So then we started looking domestically, and that's kind of how we made the decision. Wow. So I didn't realize that about Brazil. So that's that's very interesting. And then, so did you go with an agency? How did how did you navigate domestic adoption? Oh no, we went with uh, our church recommended Bethany Christian Services at the time. So we went with them, and they did a good job. Wow. So so you decide on on private. Yes. adoption and you went through Bethany how long did it take for you to get a placement uh it took over over 5 years it was a long wow. time wow 5 long, years my it, goodness it, it was a long time we just waited and waited um it it, it was frustrating wow so so what did you do over that five years what sustained you through the wait cuz we waited i know when, from the time that we we adopted internationally, my husband and I, but from the time we submitted our paperwork and thought, okay, we're going to, any month now, we're going to hear because Ukraine yeah. it, it can move fast. They right. cl- they closed their adoption program to reorganize it. So we waited like nine months for that. And I, even waiting nine months, you know, altogether, it turned out to be like a year. I would question, did I really hear from the Lord? Is this really what he wants us to do? Why does this door keep feeling like it's closed? How did you guys navigate that? Uh, There was a certain point in time. I think it was about after four years. My wife started to feel that way. She started to feel like, you know, maybe this is not the plan for us. But I I never wavered because I I figured if God put that desire in my heart and changed my heart that day and in church, and I figured it was just a matter of his time. So I, I really never worried about it i knew she was going to come at some point so what i would do though is when um when she would get frustrated we would actually start working on our room so we painted it put up shelves we got it it was already probably about a year before we even adopted her so we just spent time working at working on the room to get it ready but i i knew god was going to fulfill that desire i really did wow so five years and then you get a call is that how it happened (laughs) yes the phone call tell us about the call so the call. So we were walking into Marshalls of all places. I remember we were going to go to Marshalls. My wife, I don't know, she wanted to get something at Marshalls. I guess I was just tagging along and um, we got a call. It was 2013. And remember, because it was right around September 11th. It was like a couple days later. Um, of course, a sad time for our country and actually a, a sad time for me too, because my mother died of brain cancer on September 11th. So that mm. really sad time, but turned out to be come a happy time because Mackenzie was born on September 10th so so then uh, so we got the call and they said hey we we've got a baby for you we think it'd be a good match uh you want to come in and see her uh, in a couple days and then we did wow yeah what was that like the first meeting Uh, it was it was it it was it was it was wonderful but it was just kind of you know strange is this really happening you know is, is is this is it is it going to work out you're like boy i'm here because we're asking then we start to ask questions okay you've picked us um because it wasn't a family that picked us what happened in this situation is a a young lady was in the hospital and um uh she gave birth and she told uh, people at the hospital that she didn't want to keep the child and then the somebody from bethany went to the hospital and then called us within hours so it was that scenario so there were a lot of questions. It wasn't like a family was somebody was giving us. We were wondering, is it going to work out and all those things. So it was, it was more that. But uh, it was exciting now, seeing a little baby. Aww. And then how old were your sons when Mackenzie came home? And how did they adjust to having a baby sister? 
let's see. So they were, my oldest was eight. My youngest was five when she came home. Oh, they were so excited because as a family, we had been praying for this for, for years, for the whole time as a family. You know, we made a decision and we've been praying about it. So they were really excited. To me, it was really no different than when my son Kyle came home from the hospital, who we had naturally, and my son Dylan met him. It was built the same to them. They were just very excited when she, the day she came home. Wow. And and so the adjustment, everything went pretty relatively smoothly then. It it, it went very smooth and no no issues really or anything. Aww. Except so, the normal issues. You know, the normal diapers and bottles and <laughs> sleepless nights and all that right. Kind of stuff right uh, so how old are all three of the kids now so my oldest is 16 which is hard for me to believe he's 16 and my middle one's 13 and then Mackenzie is eight wow I love that so tell us about Mackenzie how is she doing in school has she struggled with knowing she's adopted what kind of what kind of things have you had to navigate there so, so she's doing really well in school. She likes school, likes her classes. She gets good grades. She plays soccer. She loves playing with her friends. She's really social. It's funny because I'm not. My wife is, but she's really social. And she really hasn't struggled with being adopted, um, although there was one day in particular that was a hard day for her, so I'll talk about that. So she came home from school really upset one day. Um, now, we never came out and used the word adoption with her. Um, but we all we would always tell her things like, hey, you came out of mama's heart, not her belly. And we would read a lot of children's books about adoption. So we were trying to get the point across subtly. I think she knew she was adopted, but I'm not quite sure. So one day in second grade, which was only about six, seven months ago, I'm not sure what the class was doing, but um, they, I think they were doing something where they were introducing each, each their friends and some activity. And so her friend told everybody that she was adopted and I, I and so because we were we had prayed about it and had a lot of parents pray about it but so it wasn't a secret but so Mackenzie was very upset so she came home she was really upset and um she didn't want to talk about it much but so we kind of left her alone but it, I think it was the next day where she said she was really upset with us because she wanted to hear it from us and not from somebody else so maybe because we never had the formal talk never used adoption with her i think that was the issue mm. um so we we apologize and you know kids are very forgiving she gave us a big hug and that was pretty much the end of it then we asked her a couple times that week you know do you want to know more do you want to know what we know about your birth mother about the process or anything else related um because we said we'll give you any information that you want to have um um but she hasn't brought it up again. So, but I think we're ready when she does, at least I hope we're ready. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it was almost like she had the concept. She just didn't really connect that word adoption to herself at that time. Maybe that's what it was. And, and I tried to talk to her about it, and but, but I couldn't really figure out exactly what she was thinking. She didn't want to talk about it much. Really, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But she's, she's hasn't brought it up. Seems fine since then. So. I don't know. You know, it's, 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 I, I, we, my wife and I talked about that so much. Once should we tell her she's adopted? And then it was like, well, let's not have it a secret. Let's just, you know, say these things and everybody knows, but we don't have to use the word adoption. And I, but I don't, maybe that wasn't the best approach, but, you know, but that's kind of what we had decided to do. So I don't know. 
Yeah. And I, I think in different, my experience with my kids is different ages, different stages. They start wondering mm. at different times. And, and it's just, like you said, being there to provide whatever she needs when she's ready to learn more, if she wants to learn more. Um, yeah. And, and I expect when she becomes a teenager or shortly before that, I'm expecting that you're right. Stages. There'll be different things she wants to know, different struggles and things like that. We have a, uh, some friends of ours, uh, they have an adopted daughter and she is, um, she's 16. She's in my son Dylan's class. So she's starting to struggle with that. And which I don't think she really ever struggled before. It's just interesting. So you're right. It is stages when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. My daughter, who's now 21, we adopted her internationally when she was seven. And in 2019, we were starting to talk about, she really wanted to go back to Ukraine and see the orphanage and go back to, you know, and kind of have that experience again and so we were actually starting in the the, just kind of talking out what that was going to look like she and I were going to go maybe with one of her friends Um, we did find out that the orphanage that she had been living in was no longer an orphanage it was now I think like a it was a government still a government run facility but it was for the elderly and not children Uh anymore Um, so we were kind of beginning that process to have that conversation late in 2019 and then of course with covid everything just we stopped having the conversation because it was like well obviously we're not going to be going now and she's she hasn't brought it up you know again in a long time but um she's also i think in a better place you know i think she was going through a season of questioning and now she's in a much better place where she's you know she's kind of got direction she wasn't sure back then do i go to college do i do this you know, so she was sort of floundering a little bit, but now she's got her feet under her. So it doesn't seem to be something that she's so feeling compelled to do now. Okay. Um, but I think it's just, yeah, different, different ages, different stages, um, you know, to be prepared for whatever. Because I think that they always think about it. You know, they always, they always wonder. You know, it's, I, I, I what does worry me, though, is um, we don't know much. Uh, uh, the the mother wanted to close adoption. We were fine with either closed or open, whatever. But she wanted to close adoption, and we really don't know much much about her. Not not much about the father. We know very little, so there's really not much that we can tell her. Um, so, but we'll have to see uh, kind of how that goes. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. So, we know this. The talked a little bit about that impact on Mackenzie, but what about you, Ed? How has adoption changed you personally? Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I never had any sisters growing up. I had two brothers. So having a daughter has been wonderful. I, I think it's less about uh, the adoption changing me and more about having a daughter change me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I realize my daughter is so much different than my boys and me. And I, in so many ways just the way she well she talks a lot and <laughs> i remember when she was with them when my boys were little i could kind of give them half my attention and kind of multitask when it was my daughter there was no way it was like dad you're not listening to me sit down here <laughs> in fact i always tell people i have two ladies that tell me what to do my wife and my daughter <laughs> i love i love my little girl so i'll give you an example so one time we were at we were at disney world and and she was about three and it was really fascinating for me to see disney world through the eyes of a little girl because me being a guy going there as a kid my boys going there we're all about the rides and we might meet a character take a quick picture and that's it but man she was really into the characters especially the princesses yeah and it was it was not about meeting the princesses more as about having a whole conversation i didn't realize that 
I mean, it's only three to five minutes, but that's a long time that they spend in line. And I didn't realize that the princesses spent that kind of time talking with each kid. So it was really interesting for me to see that. So then we we were at the, we were at the Magic Kingdom and we were leaving at closing time one night, like at 10. And and she said, are we leaving? And we said, yeah. She said, well, I, I can't leave. I have to meet Cinderella for the ball later tonight. I'm thinking like, oh. <laughs> so the, it, it's interesting. They have these conversations. Cinderella invited her to the ball. So I, I always remember that. It's one of my fondest memories of her mm. when she was a little kid. So for me, like I said, it's been a, really about just having a daughter. Um, that's really been, been what has changed me a lot, actually. It's made me more patient and just more loving, more compassionate, and pro- definitely understanding little girls more. So. Yeah. Aw, very sweet. What advice would you give uh, other adoptive dads or adoptive dads who may be struggling, but also perspective, let's say perspective adoptive dads, like at first you were not in, took a while to get you on board. So what would you say to those dads that aren't aren't quite sure about this? Well, I, I would say this, I would say that, you know, we all struggle with the unknown. And I think it's kind of about the unknown. Uh, when it comes to fostering or adopting kids, but I would tell them if 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 they think God has put a desire for that in their heart, uh, even if they're worried about it or they're not sure they want to go with it, once that desire is there, they got they got to embrace it because He's given them that for a reason. And you know, God's desires for us are always good. So if if you're seriously thinking about it, then that means God's prodding you to do that, and it, it it's got it's always good. Things are always going to work out good when God's involved. I would say plus there's so many kids I mean I mm. I wish we could do more in fact that my wife and I were talking recently so I, we had a really good friend of ours it's actually I hope I don't start crying we had a really good friend of ours that passed away in August her and her husband passed away in an ATV accident mm. um, they got we're out in Arizona and they got buried in some some quick uh, some some dirt because a monsoon came and, and and they they passed away and they have three kids the same oh. ages as our kids very close mm. to them so fortunately they have a good family and they're going to embrace them and, and take care of them but i mean i just wish I, could, I wish i could help every kid that needed a home i mean but you know mm. you know you know i do what you can do so. yeah. yeah yeah and just just being open to saying yes to whatever god does call you to do that's like right you said yes and and it led to mckenzie and and it's not an easy journey you know right we, we know that but it's worth it and and god gives us the strength and the ability to do what he's called us to do that's right. And he's calling us to do things that are for our good. Yeah. It's all good. Now, that doesn't mean every day is good, but overall, it's good. Yeah, so. overall, it's good. And, and and we know there's in foster care, there's there's approximately 400,000 U.S. kids in the foster care system. Yeah. And about 100,000 of them are available for adoption, waiting for families, American kids waiting for families. So that- yeah, that's sad. <clears throat> yeah. So that's that's something we talk about a lot on the show and and just praying that people will hear that it'll resonate with them and that they'll walk out in obedience, whatever God puts on their heart to do. So now we opened with Galatians four verses four through five. One of my favorite verses. You picked it out, too. Um, right. Why, why did you choose those verses? Well, you know, I. I had always kind of glossed over those verses. I don't think until I adopted a child that I really grasped um, the deepness of that verse. I mean, to think that as Christians, we're, we're adopted um, mm. children of God. And until he, until God saves us by his grace uh, through our faith in Christ, we're under God's wrath and we're not his children. So, and, but once he adopts us, then it, it's just amazing that we're, we're not just, 
we're co-heirs with his son Christ. So we're like on equal footing as a a child uh, of his child with Christ. So to me, it's just an amazing thing. And I never really grasped it or understood it until I um, adopted Mackenzie. So I, I I think of that that verse and I, other verses in the Bible like it totally differently than I did um, did before. Yeah, I love that because that was I, I write about that in my book because once we adopted children, I really began to have a better understanding of my own salvation and so mm-hmm. our spiritual adoption and to really understand. And there's so many parallels between physically adopting children and what you walk through there and spiritual adoption when God adopts us into his family. And it's it's that whole, you know, we could still we we could be. Christians and still walk around really with an orphan mindset, you know, and until we really embrace our sonship, who God created us to be and who we are in him, we can still act like that. And, uh, to, to, but to be able to walk freely as children of God walking in sonship. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's a topic I love to talk about. I address that in my book because it's, it's, it just stood out to me God was showing me those things after we adopted our kids. Um, yeah, go ahead. What's the, na- what's the name of your book? Uh, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. Okay. I'll send you a copy. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> and okay. um, so as we, as we wrap up, Ed, what is on your heart that you would really like our listeners to hear? What do you want their takeaway to be from okay. our conversation? Um, I have like maybe I think three things maybe the number one thing is if you if God's given you a desire whether it's to get married have a spouse whether it's to have a birth child whether it's to foster or adopt you now he's given you that godly desire for a reason and if he gives you a godly desire then from my vantage point he seems to always fulfill that so if he's given you that desire because everybody doesn't have the desire to do these kind of things but if he's given you that desire then then that means he wants to he wants to fulfill that, so, but you have to take action. My kids can't, I, can't, I can't sit at home and hope my the stork brings my adopted daughter or, or hope um, God brings my future wife to my house. We have to take action, but also we have to wait on God's timing in the process when we chase our desire. So really just if, if you have a desire, then then go after that desire. Uh, the second thing is, um, hope you don't mind, but I'm going to put a plug in. I, I want people to think about donating to your ministry. Justice for the, is it justice for the orphans or orphans no more? What's there's it both Ju- justice for orphans, justice for orphans. I mean, you guys do a great work, so I I, I want people to think about supporting your ministry. Oh, and, thank uh, you. How can they do that, by the way? Uh, well, okay. So it is, ju- <laughs> <laughs> you can go to our website, justicefororphansny.org and click on donate and it'll direct you on really what to do. Okay. And I've, I've put the word out. So uh, well, thank uh, you. Let everybody, I, no, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I have a heart just like, you know, once you adopt a child, your whole vantage point changes about a lot of things. So I have a heart for this. And the last thing I just wanted to mention, I just wanted to mention that I also have a, I have a heart for, um, kids i always had that i mean our youth are really struggling with a lot of crazy things in our culture and as christians we're looking at this and i do a lot of speaking about these things i don't charge any money to speak i speak at a lot of conferences a lot of churches try to help kids um build a strong foundation in christ and try to make parents aware of this craziness about how their kids are being attacked so if anybody wants to contact me about that i'll best way is my email address it's edls at yahoo.com. So it's Edward, David, Larry, Samuel at yahoo.com. And I'll get back to you. I, I get back to everybody that contacts me. 
Wow. So Ed, what, what types of things do you talk about? What are the topics that you cover when you speak? So I'm speaking at a conference. It's going to be nice to actually be speak at an in-person conference. This is my first in-person conference in a while. I'm speaking at a conference in um, South Carolina, Myrtle Beach next month. It's on uh, worldview, the battle we must win. And I'm talking, I'm speaking about uh, raising godly children in a secular culture. Mm. And I'm talking about why kids are losing their faith and leaving the church um, in mass numbers, actually, and what we need to do about it. So those yeah. two topics are kind of dear to my heart. So, Wow. Such such vital, vital conversation right there. We're, we're, we're really losing. Now, now God's going to eventually win the battle. We know yes. we're in the war, but, yeah. but we're, I, I feel like our kids are the ones that are being impacted and losing a battle right here and now. Yeah. And I, I, I see it with, with some of mine because with COVID and for so long, everybody transitioned to online virtual church. I, we lose kids in that, you yes. know, so, uh, you know, and then so much time goes by and people get used to not going to church. And then now that we can go to church, people are out of the habit. Kids aren't really engaged. I've seen in our area, I'm in upstate New York, I've seen congregations shrinking because people aren't coming back even after, and, and not just like, not just in my church, but in multiple churches in my ministry, I get to connect with multiple churches and it seems to kind of be across the board. Congregations are getting smaller. Children's ministries aren't happening. Uh, so it, it's really that, that has definitely not helped of course, in that, in that whole space. And what I've seen is, yeah, there's a good portion of the kids, especially the kids that would, um, not the faithful kids that would come every week, but the, the kids that would come more sporadically or maybe every other week or that would come to the functions. Th- those kids are not coming back. I mean, we've lost in, in my old church where I was involved in the, when I lived the middle school group, we lost so many kids and, you know, you keep trying to contact the parents and you hope they come back, but that hasn't happened uh, with a lot in a lot of situations. I would say, our church probably lost about 20% membership and our, our, our youth group probably went down about 50%. So but hopefully mm. that'll change. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's definitely a yeah. trend, a trend, which unfortunately it's a trend, but, but we know who wins the war, right? Like you said, that's right. That's, that's right. right. Well, Ed, thank you so much for sharing your story and your insights with us. Thanks for being on the show today. Well, Sandra, I, w- I want to thank you for having me in your show. It, uh, it was lovely to talk with you about this. I'm so excited. And I talked to my daughter, Mackenzie, because I, my wife said we should let her know, get her permission. She's excited to hear the podcast, and my wife is, and I'll, and I'll share it, and, and we'll move forward. But I, I really wish uh, wish you well. I'll be praying for your ministry, and I'll be supporting your ministry, and I'll be plugging it all the time. Thank you so much. And thank you to Mackenzie for allowing you to share her story and and um, pray that she does she does well in all that she does. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ed. I appreciate having you on. Sure. God bless. God bless you too. And thank you for listening today. I hope you were inspired by this episode. Remember to go back and check out our September episodes where we focused on fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, which is definitely a topic that affects so many foster and adopted families. 
and my article about FASD is now up on the Focus on the Family website, so you can check that out. And don't forget our website, justicefororphansny.org, where we have an entire resource section dedicated to FASD, uh, where you can find links to my favorite podcasts, books, websites that have to do with trauma and FASD. Uh, We want to help you become trauma and FASD informed. So check those out. And again, you can head on over to my website, sandraflack.com, where you can follow my blog, where I write regular blog posts that are really dedicated to you, my fellow foster and adoptive parents. And don't forget to join me next week when I will unpack my puppy story. And be sure to check out my social media. You can find me on Facebook at Sandra Flack. I have a Sandra Flack author page. And on Instagram, I am at Sandra Flack underscore JFO. And Justice for Orphans has both a Facebook and Instagram page. And I hope you'll go check those out as well and follow all of the above. Thank you for listening. I am grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of Orphans No More. I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to Orphans No More, for sharing what you've heard and praying for vulnerable children everywhere. We hope you are inspired to walk out James 127 in whatever way God calls you. For more information, visit justicefororphansny.org.